Trust you found your place in the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And I'll be reading one verse tonight, verse number 22. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22. The Bible says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for coming to this earth and sending your son to die on Calvary's cross. Dear Lord, the Savior's coming truly changed everything. Dear Lord, we are grateful for the change that this rival has brought to our lives, for how you have taken us from darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, and we are humbled that you would love us in spite of ourselves, in spite of our failures, our faults, our limitations, and to draw us to yourself. Thank you for how you use your word to speak to our hearts and to shine light on those areas that you would desire for us to bring to submission to you. We ask for your blessings as your word goes forth tonight. Give me the words you'll have me to say. Without you, I can do absolutely nothing. So we ask for your help. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus said the Lord. And I pray that each and every heart would be receptive to what you have to say. Thank you once again for your goodness. And we give you glory and praise for all that you will do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Since I was a teenager, I looked forward to the time when I would have a family. When I would be a husband, be a father. It was something that I also tried to prepare for in advance, knowing that I would need to provide for them. Most of you are aware of the famous saying by my dad that wives are not cheap. Young men, take note. Well, let me add, neither are children. But let me say categorically here that I wouldn't exchange the privileges or the responsibilities for anything in the world. But when you transition from being a child to being a what's called head of household, some changes take place regarding how things work. For example, as a child, you ask for things. As a father, you figure out where the things are going to come from. As a child, you look forward with excitement to all the Christmas gifts that you are going to get under the tree. As a father, you look forward with excitement for all the gifts that everybody else are going to get under the tree. 
Not that you won't get a gift here or there, but your joy, your excitement, the pleasure that you get comes primarily from seeing everybody else enjoy what they're going to get. Am I right, fathers? Oh, my boy, that things look bleak. Oh, well. (laughs) No, that's not an indictment on the rest of the family, I have to admit. Uh, But really and truly, it really is fine. I mean, and I'm not just saying that uh, uh, because you you get excitement in a different way. You're, You're now a provider instead of being the one who is provided for. I note with interest that many children can't wait until they are adults because then they won't have to ask for what you have to eat and where to go and how long to stay. But remember with privileges come responsibility. You will then now have to figure out how to pay for it all and how to get up in the morning to work to keep on paying for it. Such is the nature of the transition from childhood to adulthood. But for every born-again believer, let me submit to all of us here tonight that there is an awesome privilege that we have to be able to have God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, as our Heavenly Father. This great God of the universe does not and will never need anything. But how do we as his children bless him? We do so by honoring him, by being obedient to him, by being in his will, by worshiping him. And the desire of any child of God ought to be to honor his or her heavenly father. This is one of the practices that we have seen and looked at in 1 John in what I've labeled authenticated practices. In other words, things that would distinguish us as children of God. Things that ought to be distinctive for one who names the name of Christ. In other words, to be led by the Spirit of God. We've seen this characteristic of as something that John points out should be evident in the life of a believer. We've seen in the verses prior to the verse that we read that there's something called a conscience that God has endowed in every person. And this conscience ought to be guided by the Holy Spirit to where it now becomes a spiritual conscience. In other words, God's Holy Spirit transforms this human entity into something that is sensitive to the leading of God. You see, when our consciences are guided by the Holy Spirit of God, it governs what we do. It governs our human spirit, and it guides our steps. But we've noted as well that this spiritual conscience that we are to strive for when impacted by sin and disobedience, ultimately becomes seared by contempt. You see, we cannot live based on our conscience because our conscience can be rendered ineffective by sin. 
Our conscience can be rendered ineffective by the flesh. Our conscience can be rendered ineffective by consistent and intentional disobedience to the word of God. But I want us to focus on verse 22 tonight as we continue to look at this matter of being led by the spirit of God. And this ought to be something that would motivate us when it comes to living a fulfilling and productive and successful Christian life. And in verse 22, what we find here is what I call a special connection. A special connection. Keep in mind that we are talking about being led by the Spirit of God. Oftentimes when we read the Bible, we find a verse that we think is uh, appropriate or a verse that is uh, encouragement to us. And we extract that verse, hoping to find some spiritual truth, forgetting the context in which it is written. Because verse 22, I'll read it again, begins with the word and. It says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Of course, we can look at that verse and it has enough truth for us to understand what it's saying, but it's in con continuation of the verses prior as John is talking about the importance of being led by the Spirit of God. And so verse 22 gives us what I call a special connection. Why, why, why does it indicate a special connection? Why? It's because we'll see in this verse that to be led by the Spirit of God has benefits. To be led by the Spirit of God, understand that you are being provided direction in life. Now, you ever wake up in the morning or have a tough decision to make and you simply don't know whether to go left or right, whether to go forward or whether to stand still. God's Holy Spirit provides us direction. Amen? That's a benefit of being led by the Spirit of God. But I want you to notice, in addition to being provided direction, which we so sorely and desperately need, I want you to jot this down. That to be led by the Spirit of God provides as well discernment as you follow. In other words, as you yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit, God gives you wisdom to make decisions. Wisdom to even know what to ask of him. Why? Because as you are obedient and as we are obedient to the Holy Spirit of God, we get a better understanding of what the will of God is. So the more you do God's will, the more you understand God's will. And so I want us to see four things in this verse as to how this special connection works. You see, we can't just extract the first part of the verse and whatsoever we ask of him, we receive of him. I mean, it wouldn't be a wonderful thing if we just ask for whatever we want and we just have it plopped in our laps. No, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. So I want you to notice, first of all, there's the aspect of what I call repetition. 
Repetition. You see, my friends, I don't have to do much to convince you of this, but the more you do anything, the better you get at it. There's a common phrase that we know in principle and in practice and even from memory that practice makes permanent. I know I got caught you there a minute. But we say practice makes perfect, but if you, if you practice wrong, it's not going to be perfect. But practice makes permanent. Whether it's cooking, playing a sport, singing, playing an instrument, whatever it is, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So when it comes to this matter of this special connection, connection rather, that we have in being led by the Spirit of God, we must understand that there's some repetition. What ought we to be repeating? Being willingly led by the Spirit of God. Being obedient, being submissive to what he says, irrespective of whether we can figure it out or not, whether it makes sense to our consciousness, we ought to be willing to be continually led by the Spirit of God. It says, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. It didn't say we figure it all out. It didn't say we always understand it. It didn't even say we always feel like it. But it says we keep his commandments. There has to be an aspect of repetition in our lives and simply God said it, that settles it. I just must do it. Why? Because God said it. So there's first of all the aspect of repetition. But here's what happens. After that repetition continues and I get into the practice, the habit of obeying God no matter what, here's what happens. There's what I call, want to call, realization. The more you obey God, the more you learn about God. You see, as with anything that you do, whatever hobby or whatever practice you, you, you want to engage in, understanding, full understanding or clear understanding never comes about the first time you do anything. We call it doing it by rote. What does that mean? Just doing something routinely or mechanically without real understanding. For those of you who've played an instrument, I'm sure you would understand that you can play a piece and you can play it perfectly without understanding the music. You can play it perfectly without even reading music, without understanding structure or notation or function. But when you understand, it now leads to an ability to then introduce creativity because of an understanding. You ever see some people who are novice cooks and they find a recipe and they have to follow everything in the recipe to a T? That's me. My wife would give me a recipe and she says, a half cup of this, and you see me there, I'm measuring this thing like a chemist. 
I don't want anything to deviate from the recipe. Why? Because I don't yet understand the principles associated with cooking. But for those who understand, listen, they can say, listen, give me a little bit of this. They can change up the things on the recipe to make it even better than what the recipe says. Why? Because there's an understanding. Did I hear uh, amen up from the, uh, from, the, from the sound room? Oh, we got some cooks in there. Oh, that's good. But there's something called a deeper understanding, a realization. Why? Because that has come about from continuous repetition. There's now a realization. You see, my friends, when you obey God, you get a better understanding of who God is and what God is doing and how he is working in your life. That's important. That's, that's, that's seen in these verses that we read. It's somewhat under the surface. Maybe it doesn't pop up uh, on the top of, but when it comes to this matter of asking and receiving, there must be a pattern of continued obedience that as I continue, I get a better understanding of who God is. What is he doing? How is he using circumstances in my life for my good? You ever been perplexed over a situation? Couldn't make sense of it. And just giving enough time to transpire, after a while you were able to look back and say, God, you knew exactly what you were doing. That's realization. But we have to get to the point where sometimes there's realization that God is doing it even in the moment when we don't understand. Recognize that God is working realization so you see when it comes to this madly special connection that we're about to uh, observe here there's the foundation of repetition and realization and after those things are in place guess what you now can request because now that you understand this God a little better We'll never fully comprehend him. After all, he's God. But then you now learn what to request. Why? Because you are now led by the Spirit of God. That's why John said in verse number 22, and whatsoever we ask. That's a continuation from the verses that we read before Speaking to our spirit and our conscience being guided and led by the Holy Spirit of God. So imagine this, even as as it relates to our prayer life and what we pray for when we get down on our knees, the Holy Spirit is even guiding our very request that we have a better understanding of what to ask for because we're not just praying in our spirit, but our spirit is in connection with the Holy Spirit and we are praying now in accordance with His will. But we could never get to that point if we are not being led by Him in the first place. So now we have the liberty to request. Psalm 37 and verse 4 echoes the same truth that says, Delight thyself also in the Lord. 
What's that delighting? That's the repetition. That's bringing about realization. Because now you, you have the right desires. As you're delighting yourself in the Lord, that the requests that you make are now in conjunction with making sure that he is also delighted. Because I delight in the Lord. If I delight in the Lord, I'm not going to want to ask for anything that's not going to bring him delight. You know, as we come up a few days before Christmas, Christmas is a, at times a, a, a strange time of year. Because you can go from the top of the mountain with joy to the depths of the valley with despair. I mean, here it is. You, you wake up on Christmas morning with all of the anticipation and all of the excitement about what you're going to get under the tree. I mean, the enthusiasm. I mean, it's bursting at the seams. I mean, you can't wait. And then after all the gifts are unwrapped, and even after you unwrap your gift, it's not what you wanted. And the bubble has burst. And you've gone from the epitome of excitement to the depths of despair. And you see, maybe more in the U.S. than it is here, Lines at the stores are longer after Christmas than they were before Christmas. Why people taking back all the gifts that they didn't want to exchange it for something else. A very strange time of year. But, but, but why does that happen? Because sometimes you just didn't pay enough attention to really know what the individual who you're getting the gift for really wanted. Maybe you didn't delight in the person enough to really pay close attention to know that they wanted that instead of this. But the more you learn about God, the more you understand God, the more you know what God desires of us. Amen? So, so, so there's the aspect of requests. But you see, here's, here is where this just... It just becomes exciting because if we can get this part down, if we can solidify the, the aspect of repetition and realization and then our requests are in line with the Holy Spirit of God, keeping context and keep in mind that we're talking about being led by the Spirit. See, when we are led by the Spirit, look at what John says. Verse number 22, same verse. He says, and whatsoever we ask. Now, isn't that wonderful? But because I'm being led by the Spirit, whatever I ask, I'm going to receive. Because the Holy Spirit himself is leading me to ask. Now, the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father is God. Jesus is God. So, it's like God asking God for what we want. It says, whatsoever we ask 
we shall receive of him. Going back to Psalm 37 and verse 4, look at what he says. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee what? The desires of thine heart. Now when I read those words, I see it as twofold. He shall give thee the desires of your heart in that he will give you the wisdom, the direction, the guidance as to what you ought to ask for. Because your desires are now in accordance with his will and so you're now asking and having the right desires. But even so, your desires now become his desires so when you ask you will receive what you're asking for. And back in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 20, so he says, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Now, isn't it a great and awesome thing to be so in touch and in tune with the Holy Spirit of God that whatever we ask, we receive. That's powerful. That's a special connection. Wow. But you see, the first part of this verse is followed by the second part. He says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. John is giving us that continued reminder that that hinges on some things because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You want your prayers answered? It's linked to obedience to God. Not just when it's convenient. Not just when we feel like it. Not just when it makes sense to us. Not just when it lines up with what seems logical. John says, one of the distinctive characteristics of a child of God is that he or she is led not by their own conscience, not by their flesh, but by the Spirit of God. You know, I find that particularly even for people who don't know Christ or who might not be living right as a Christian or in what they perceive are the Christian things to do. Often come to pastors and request prayer for a specific thing. Not bad things, not, nothing bad. But it makes me wonder or think that the individuals somehow have come to a conclusion that whatever it is I'm asking for, if I ask this person to pray to God for it, then somehow God is going to listen to them 
but he's not going to listen to me because I'm not living right. You ever get that? There is something to be said about how you live in connection with the answers you receive from God. God says, as you are willing to align your life with my will, I'll answer your prayers. But in addition to that, as you align your life with my will, you will have the understanding, the discernment, the wisdom to even know what to pray for. To the point where some things that people ask you to pray for, you'll say, listen, I can't even take that to God. That, that's not going to fly. That's out of God's will. I can't pray for that. Because we must be led by God's Holy Spirit. Led by His Word. You know, no matter what prayer you take to God, if it violates the Word of God, forget about it. It's not going to happen. As we would say, you could pray from now till judgment. God will not violate his word to answer your prayer that is inconsistent with his will. So may it be that we have the discernment, the wisdom, the submissive attitude to be willing to pray in accordance with his will, to be led by his spirit so that we know how to pray what to pray so that the end result is whatever we ask we receive